This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 522 for August 24th, 2016. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast, folks. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and I'm joined by Susie Oaks, the executive editor of this fine publication, Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hello, Glenn. How are you? Good. And I've got an announcement to make. I'm going to be dropping the Fleischman from my name as part of a rebranding effort. So I'm just going to be Glenn, all caps, with a registered trademark symbol at the end. Because I'm, I'm trying to, you know, learn from the best. Right. Like share. Like share. Like uh, Apple. See, so Apple, you're going to go to an Apple store, but the store will now be lowercase. You'll say, I'm going to the Apple. Or I'm going to Apple, I guess, because they don't like uh, the worst word, the, yeah, other products. Know. So Apple stores will just be Apple. We'll just, I don't, I, I'm trying to figure out, so where do they remove the store from? Does it say Apple, didn't say Apple store at the stores. It says they put Apple in the beginning and then they put the name of like where the store is at the end. So San Francisco, the big one they opened on Union Square is now Apple Union Square. Instead of saying, I'm going to the Union Square Apple Store, which everyone I know who isn't an alien would say. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like they're trying to be fancy. They are. They're trying to be really fancy. And um, I just read a thing on Daring Fireball. Um, and he thought, it, he thought it made sense because you wouldn't say, I'm going to the Tiffany store, I'm going to the Gucci store, or I'm going to the Target store or the Walmart store. But those are all stores. Like, they're primarily stores. And I guess maybe Apple is primarily a store to most people now, but you know, it's it's a change to those of us who Apple was, you know, a brand with long before it was a store and it's yeah, it's still like more of a brand. I don't know. I don't know why it's different, but it's just different. Something something to me. Uh, probably we probably won't <laughs> notice. It's just going to be in their branding. Uh, when I lived in Maine, I used to say I'd say I, you, the store was called Ames when the local department store. You'd say I'm going going over to Ames's is what you'd say. Aww. I'm going over to Apple's. Uh, I, and I, I know people. There are folks uh, in Seattle. You know, Boeing was founded by Mr. Boeing, and um, a friend of mine knew people who'd worked there, been in Seattle long enough. They would say they would talk about Boeing's, like belonging to the guy. Oh wow! So, Mr. Apple, there is no Mr. Apple. Only, nope. only Mr. Jobs. We have That'd no be jobs. Cool if they had like a hamburger like mascot that was like Mr. Apple. Yep, no jobs, no cash, no hope. There we go. 2016, <laughs> folks. Uh, so, uh, top story of the week, Bafo News, Babs Blabbed, reveals series <laughs> secrets. Um, New York Times ran a very funny story a few weeks ago about Barbara Streisand describing her as a control freak, and the best part was they then ran a correction that included, it said, a cover article this weekend about Barbara Streisand's efforts to define her legacy, including her determination to correct even the tiniest errors about her life contains several errors. <laughs> and the sad part is they're kind of obvious ones, like Googleable errors, like things, yeah. you know, or one they said she one owned a whistle. One was a guy's name misspelled, which when I was in journalism school was an automatic F. Like you could spend, you know, a week reporting a story and turn it in and spell someone's name wrong. And that's an F because like you should never spell a name wrong. You yeah, check that. You check it. And uh, if you spell it wrong, spell it definitively wrong is my plan. Uh, the other was that uh, she owned a Whistler painting and she doesn't. And I'm thinking, how did they, you know, that's the thing you f fact checker calls and says, Ms. Streisand's agent, Streisand, we'll get to that, not Streisand. It was a magazine piece. Like, these should be yeah. fact-checked. Like, it's on? not like, you know, something like, oh, we got to get this news. copy to the printer. Like, stop the presses. Yeah, Barbara Streisand owns a painting. It was weird. If you say she owns a Whistler, you check on it. But so the uh, the news related to- <laughs> If your to, mother uh, says she loves you, your Whistler, check it out. That's right. 
The, uh, my favorite thing in that one was uh, get the name of the dog. It's kind of it's uh, from the Pointer Institute. There's a guy who wrote a column there. I don't know if he still does, where he said, um, you know, a reporter comes back, uh, you know, a young reporter comes back writing some kind of uh, lifestyle story, and it's this heartening thing about this guy whose dog was so important to him. And the editor says, well, what's the name of the dog? It's like the guy's like, I don't know. Like get the name of the dog. The little details help. Um, so Barbara. But anyway, why are we talking about Barbara Streisand? <laughs> Barbara leaked the uh, potentially leaked the date that iOS is going to release. Uh, iOS 10 will come out, although I don't think so because it sounds like it's too no. late. She yeah. said in an interview that Tim Cook had promised her that the mispronunciation of her name is Streisand, which every Babs fan knows is Streisand. It's Streisand, Streisand. like not sand Streisand. on the beach. Yeah. My favorite thing was years ago for a Macworld article back in about 2010, I was doing a comprehensive test of GPS apps like TomTom and the other stuff that was out at the time that all I've seemed to have sort of forgotten now, the offline, uh, you know, Magellan, all those guys. And I, I know you can still buy these apps. They have the big offline databases and and tie into different technology. But anyway, I'm driving in Los Angeles and, and uh, TomTom voice says, Exit such and such for Los Angeles. <laughs> like, oh, come on, you couldn't you couldn't program that. So Streisand would I know, like. I feel like digital assistance. We should give, a, and we do give a lot of leeway. So it's funny that she was a stickler. But oh, am I getting ahead? You haven't even said what it is yet. No, no, it's just keep that, her name. Said, the Siri says Barbara Streisand, Siri, Siri and says Streisand. she would prefer her name is pronounced correctly as Streisand. And given that she has recorded fifty albums. And uh, is one of the New York Times story says 35. So I don't know if that's an additional one of their errors or what, but Wikipedia said 50. So I went, uh, yeah, my story says 50 because I sourced it from Wikipedia. Interesting. Well, they may may include a different count of albums, such as solo efforts. If I was wrong, have your people call me and I will correct that straight away. I love you. She is, is, uh, despite the fact that some people do not like her voice or her talent, she is a cultural touchstone, a living legend. Who doesn't like Barbara? Like Paul Simon or whatever. I mean, She's someone whose career spans decades, film, stage, whatever. So I figure it's okay that she wants to pronounce it. But she she apparently, you know, she said, yes, this is coming September 30th. Everyone's like, what? But I don't. So yeah, so she, it's bugged her for years. It's bugged her since Siri came out um, that it's mispronounced, mispronouncing her name. So she called Tim Cook and was like, Tim, you got to fix this. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's bothering me. So he said, sure. I'm going to fix it for you, Barbara. I love you too, like everyone should. Mm-hmm. And um, and then she told NPR in a weekend edition, I think on Saturday, that they were going to fix it. Tim said he was on it. It was going to be fixed on September 30th was the update was coming. <laughs> so then people were like, okay, okay, Barbara, that's awesome. But I mean, like it's, if that's iOS 10... That's that's late. Maybe they told her like by the end of September, that's sometime in September or something. And she just like, you know, picked out September 30th for herself because she, she can control these things. Why not? She's like on the phone with Tim Cook now. Um, or they could, you know, iOS 10 could be kind of like on lock and they, they could be rolling out this very important update in, you know, a, a 10.0.1. Yes, the Streisand update. The, the Streisand well, update, the Streisand effect. This just brings me, reminds me way back when to the, the code name of a uh, Mac OS of a, of a computer release, uh, Sagan. Remember the Sagan story? Yeah. Do you remember no. this? No, no, oh. tell me. Okay, so listeners, longtime listeners will remember potentially. This is Power Mac 7100. I'm looking at the details so I get it right. It was released in January 1995, and it had the code name Carl Sagan, although I remember hearing it Sagan. And it was the joke that it would make Apple billions and billions of dollars. 
it was an internal code name. And actually, this is the most amazing part. It wasn't released until, oh, I'm sorry, it was released in 1994, excuse me, March 94. It was revealed in Mac Week. Everyone remembers when there was a weekly print publication about Mac stuff. Uh, in 1993, Sagan thought this might sound like an endorsement. He was a pretty touchy guy. He contacted Apple and said, I don't want you to use this name because whatever. Apple then wrote a letter to the editor that appeared in Mac Week telling people that he did not endorse them. So Apple renamed <laughs> the code name to BHA. Do you know what BHA stood for? Butthead uh, Astronomer. Ooh, then he sued Apple I was for thinking libel. of something a little. Then he sued Apple for libel over BHA. Then he sued that we lost. He settled a suit again over the use of his name. Then he lost. Then they came to an out-of-court settlement, and Apple apologized. Uh, according to Wikipedia, I don't remember this part, but I believe that the engineers on the product made a third and final name change from BHA to LAW, short for Lawyers Are Wimps. So... You can't you can't win those kinds of battles. But I just meant BHA butthead astronomer. Uh, That's like a you're so vain. You probably think this song is about you, kind of thing. <laughs> Who was that about? It's like anyway? there's a lot of butthead astronomers. Why do you think we're talking about you? Like, well, yeah, it's true. I mean, now it would be about Neil deGrasse Sorry, Tyson. Astronomers. It'd be actually Neil deGrasse like Tyson. You. He wouldn't be a butthead astronomer. He'd be a, a killjoy astronomer. Blowhard astronomer. KJA killjoy astronomer. Uh, all right. Well, that's enough about Babs. I know this is the Babs cast, but we need to move on to uh, other things. I don't know. I think we could talk about Babs a little. <laughs> She's more. so great. I love her. <laughs> We just watched Hello Dolly recently uh, with the kids. Um, more betas, mo betas, mo testing. We're coming down. Apple's released a ton of dev betas, but a lot of uh, public betas as well. And yeah. um, they're coming they're out rolling faster. these things out. It's like one or two a week, which is great because we're probably about two weeks out from the launch. Yeah, everything is great. Estimating. I mean, I honestly think I could have switched to uh, iOS 10 and Sierra as my production systems weeks ago. I I'm hearing. Very you few know, problems. I got them on all my production systems. Everything I'm producing. Fine, right? I'm still producing, maybe, baby. <laughs> you know, sometimes I got to restart, but I'm restarting a little more. It's fine. My uh, battery life has been fine. Someone who listened to the podcast last week asked me on Twitter if I could describe my experiences, and I did not do that on Twitter because technically I'm not supposed to talk about um, Watch OS three because it's like a developer thing. But, you know, nobody listens to the podcast but us. So <laughs> I'll tell you that WatchOS 3 started out kind of rocky. The battery life was pretty terrible. But I also installed it right before going on vacation. And I was using my watch a lot for navigation and stuff with mm -hmm. iOS 10, with the brand new Maps app. So all that together was a toxic stew of battery <laughs> suckage. Um, but, toxic you know, we're over that hump. We're several betas later. Um, yeah. They haven't had quite as many watch betas as they have the other. Or maybe they're... Oh, you know, I missed this. I don't have a watch. Oh, so the watch beta, they didn't yeah. want to push out to the public because then no. you have dead you brick watches. you can't back it up. Yeah. The watch beta and the TV beta, they said developers only because there's, there's no way of like backing up and restoring those things. And if, you know, there were snags, it's just two betas is plenty of betas. No, I'm surprised they actually, for the Apple TV, they don't, uh, you can't stick in a USB-C memory stick or something. Maybe they'll offer that as an I option. I know. Yeah, that would be I a good update. The, you could, I mean, as USB-C is more available, I got a couple. put that on our wish list. I got a couple of them sitting right here. Um, well, so more betas. Everything's pretty good. Uh, we keep getting more rumors as we're kind of coming down to the wire on what the iPhone 7 is going to be like. We were talking about double cameras and computational photography last week. I should have pointed out, and I think this was already known last week, is that the the two camera thing is is the Plus model only, iPhone 7 Plus. There's not room for them in the regular iPhone 7, which makes sense because the iPhone 6 uh, Plus and 6S Plus, if I remember 
uh, correctly, those are the only two with optical stabilization. Yes. There's only digital stabilization in these smaller mid-sized units now, right? Um, so it makes sense you have certain photography features that can only fit for those kinds that of That is one of the selling points of the Plus is yeah, you get like a better camera. But yep. it's so big, I just don't want one that big. FYI, sidebar, I have seven camera systems for the iPhone, seven lens systems here, seven major makers, probably – 30, 40 lenses that I'll be testing for a Macworld article. It took a while to assemble them. And the testing plan, I have Ziploc bags labeled full of all the lenses and cases because every lens system, just about, requires a separate case. So uh, ah, I'm going to be yes. testing these. And I was a little concerned because I was hoping to get this done earlier in the summer. It took a while to get everything together. And I was like, oh, no, what if the iPhone 7 is so different that these lenses won't work with it? Now, now the iPhone 7 S Plus with two lenses is going to be a challenge depending on how Apple, how Apple makes access available because it's harder to put two add-on lenses together. Uh, it's going to be a much more complicated or maybe impossible assembly. So I assume add-on lenses for the 7 Plus will have to – uh, focus on a single lens instead of being a double lens system unless someone figures out a very clever binocular approach. So uh, so look for that. I got I mean there are so many there's there's you know lenses that are two hundred dollars a piece and ones that are like ten bucks. Um, it's a very interesting thing. So I'm gonna be out shooting a lot of pictures this week and uh, doing apples apples comparisons of that. Awesome. I can't wait to read yeah, that. Fun. Um, uh, iPhone 7 waterproofing, that was kind of one of the things we keep seeing little bits and pieces. But I mean, that's it is that it'll, uh, instead of being water resistant, it might be, um, or, you know, not warranted as water resistant, they might actually give it a an official uh, tested rating for a certain level of water resistance. Oh, yeah. Because the other ones were like, they were quietly making them more water resistant, but not advertising it at all well, and not, not having them rated yeah. on that uh, UL scale or whatever it is, oh, I think the, I, IP5 or whatever. Like they, they did that with the watch and because they wanted you to feel comfortable like, you know, um, taking it in the shower or whatever. I've started showering with my watch. It's been fine. I think um, the minute but, you put it on the phone though, then people expect yeah. warranty service. I mean, if you say something yeah. is IP whatever and then you- You have to kind of stand by that, right? Yeah. yeah. So they've been sort of making them more waterproof almost for their benefit too because when you turn them in now if you if you're on the upgrade program you know, it's going to be in better shape. They've seen so many, you know, water damaged iPhones. They sort of knew like where the weak points were and they just sort of on the inside kind of, um, you know, put in little barriers and, and things to, to, to keep water from coming in. So removing the headphone jack on this one could make that a lot better. I was surprised Apple's never made a bra magnet. That was my thing because uh, how, how many women do you know, maybe this includes yourself, whose phone has fallen out of your bra into the toilet. Like that is probably, you know, the number one. No, I'm serious. I no, have my niece. in your back pocket and well, you forget to, is probably if number you one. forget to grab it before you but like number two go to sit down on the toilet. Then to it toilet. Falls in. Like I've heard this from so many women. No, They're like, I, I leaned over. I don't know anyone who carries their phone in their bra. I oh, really I know don't. so many women who stick the phone. My wife used, if she's in, she's, she's a, a teacher's dance and does a social dance and she will often need to stick her phone in her because, you know, pockets and dresses and, right. you know, things like that. It's yeah, part of the great anti-pocket you... conspiracy against women. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've never carried my phone in my bra. I don't know. Well, uh, neither have I, but there's a different reason for that. Uh, <laughs> the the um, bra magnets, I'm telling you. It's Kicks a manzia. It's a manzia. <laughs> no, it's the bro. Oh, the bro. It's a manzia. Uh, it's a one in a million chance talk. So... <laughs> Jason Stell, speaking of humor, for being funny, uh, wrote a funny piece um, about the five stages of grief 
about losing the headphone jack because it's. I think this is a major thing. Yeah. It was very funny. And it's true. You're like, oh, God, they're not going to do It's like, I don't know why. And, you know, then. I still haven't wrapped my head around it. I'm glad that he's preparing ahead of time. Like, he's going to be the calmest one. Like, I really think people are going to freak, even though this is like the worst kept secret ever. I know. I don't use the headphone jack. This is my thing. I'm not a oh, commuter. All the time. No, I'm not a commuter. Oh, yeah, I'm a commuter. I, and I used to, I had a, I had a quasi Bluetooth commuter. headphones are terrible, especially for commuters. No, that's what I hear. I mean, Apple would have, right. And then there's the charging, there's losing them because they're not connected to something. Oh. Um, no, it's not, it could be a nightmare, but I don't know. Apple, you know, they have clever ideas. We'll see what we don't know how they're trying yeah. to solve this yet. Um, but they gotta I had a, sell it. They gotta sell it to me. I had a walking commute for a while in an office, a co-location space or co-working space rather, and uh, I would wear headphones and have like a thirty-minute walk each way. And those are the only time, that, and all the rest of the time, I'm, I'm in a car, or I'm walking quietly without wearing headphones, or I'm working in a place where I have speakers. And there's nobody else around because I don't work in a shared office. So I'm like the worst person. I'm like, ah, headphone jack. I'll just deal. And everyone's like, you idiot, stop it. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. Read Jason's piece. Watch features are still some. There was a story that came out that I thought was a little ahead of itself about uh, that the watch, which is not expected in September, the watch too. I think right, we're expecting that later in the year. Isn't that right? It's been. Um, I think Mark Gurman thought that it might be announced in September, hmm. but it's not going to have cellular. But I, the original thing when the first watch was announced in late 2014 and shipped in early 2015, in Mar- like March 2015, if I remember right. Um, the uh, it only ha- didn't have GPS, uh, didn't ha- have Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, no cellular, no GPS, and from what I can tell, uh, the cellular part is very uh, complicated in terms of battery life and chip size and all that. I had a lot of discussions with people who know more about chips than I do over a year ago, and they said it's you know years away, like it's going to be 2019. And I thought Apple is not releasing a device in 2015 that will not have like it needs a 2.0 or 3.0, you know, more likely a 3.0 third release. We'll have cellular probably within three years because if the roadmap doesn't work like that, then they're not going to do it. So I thought 2016 or 2017, 2018 was more likely, uh, especially if they're going to release three by 20. Wait, I'm doing the math wrong. Yeah, 2018. Um, so this rumor is that cellular won't be there till 2018, and I think that seems perfectly reasonable. So there'll be GPRS, uh, sorry, GPS uh, uh, in the next release because that's a much desired feature. But there's the idea of the, of the uh, watch becoming completely independent of the iPhone and you need cellular for that. Yeah. I mean, I think they should just take their time on that because if it's a big battery life hit, then that's going to you know be a problem for everybody, even those of us who don't really need cellular that much. And then more importantly, I don't want to pay for service on another device. I mean, it's getting kind of ridiculous, like how many times I'm paying for the same internet. So, I mean, I guess maybe if it was like something like the Kindle where it came with like a little bit of, you know, slower internet so it could, you know, do kind of emergency connections or whatever, but not, you know, wouldn't like because the things you do on the watch are so there's such small interactions you might not need, you know, like LTE or something on it, but, but I just don't want to pay again. I'm like, they have to figure something out. <laughs> and it's like, I'm always carrying my phone anyway. I'm not going to stop carrying my iPhone because I got my watch on and it can, it can get on the cell network. I'm not going to make calls from it. Like I'm not going to surf the web on it. I'm not going to do most of the stuff I do on my phone, on my watch. 
Yeah, although a lot of the there are smartwatch um, add-ons for many services, though, right? So Verizon and AT and T and so forth. You can add devices like tablets or other phones or gaming devices and smartwatches. So you pay ten bucks a month for to add that to your shared data pool on a, on a shared plan. Even but, ten bucks a month is too. I know much. it's huge. Well, they're doing a thing where like tablets, you could add a tablet for. I think tablets are normally like twenty dollars. Should be a month. like a dollar at most. Because I mean, how much data are you going to use on this little watch? Yeah, it's data, but it's also, you know, just having to manage a device. There's some basic costs the carriers want to recoup for that. And they have to, you know, so they I can't imagine they charge less than five bucks. It's possible, though, if you have a smartphone that they'd let you add one smartwatch to a plan be under the assumption that if the watch is near the smartphone, the smartphone is going to be handling all the data as relay. Yeah, you might have to get network. a bigger data package or something, and that's where they should like be making their money, I feel like. I sell know. it, sell me the data, like all these like just fees to have another another device using but, the data. But it's ubiquity. Is that some people will want a watch that they can carry and not carry a phone and they can have emergency calling and they can, you know, do stuff on the, on the out and out, make phone calls, uh, you know, wherever they are. I don't know. Um, but talking about cellular plans, we should talk about, these are big changes that affect um, you know, everyone with a smartphone or a, uh, or a tablet that they use on mobile data. Um, AT&T and T-Mobile both did these big overhauls in the last week. Uh, AT&T dropped over its charges and reshaped its plans. You have to switch from existing shared data plans to a new one. And T-Mobile did this weird unlimited thing that I think is has a lot of people confused and maybe some unhappy. Um, like, we're only going with one plan. It's going to be so simple. And then you look at it and the fine print is like, like a mile long. Oh, my long. God, You're I just know. like, that's not simple. Well, it's simple. for I See, so I figure T-Mobile knows exactly where all of its costs lie. It's like anytime you have to do any accounting, it's expensive. So the minute you no longer have to account for anything and you don't have to bill and collect different charges, uh, it's great. So among other things, T-Mobile is giving you a $5 line discount if you uh, have auto pay enabled because they know what it costs them to collect. They know their losses. And so the plan they carved out, maybe it only is good for like 80% of its customers, but they also know that customers might leave other carriers because it's much better than the deal there, especially if you have a bunch of lines. So I I think it's really, I think it's cleverly constructed and it's going to be, be terrible for some people. So they're they're throttling. They're doing that thing that they had tried before, uh, uh, that they offer before, where they're I forgot what it's called, but it's like the uh, um, I forget the service. But essentially, you get if you do the the default unlimited plan, your streaming audio, streaming video, and gaming are all restricted to different bandwidths. So they um, they re, they downsample things in flight, oh. essentially. Uh, and I think gaming is limited to two megabits per second. Um, video is limited to like 500 kilobits per second or a certain resolution or SD or something. So there's a lot of details and you can pay an extra monthly fee and boom, you get uh, you know the better uh, – if you want to do full resolution to your device, you have to pay a surcharge for that. Uh, so yeah, if, if you wanted uh, $25 per month per line to do um, higher uh, quality video, it's limited to 480p. If you want to do uh, tethering, you have to pay for it. So it's $15 a month and you get five gigabytes of tethering. So there's all these add-ons. So the question is, how many people does this affect? So it may, they may lose some customers, but they may get a bunch of others who want a flat rate. Um, and they have a bunch of international calling stuff too. The AT&T plan is a little different where AT&T is kind of twiddling options. But uh, my wife and I are going to save about 50 bucks a month. Wow. Yeah, it's huge because they what they did, AT&T added uh, – so T-Mobile 
Well, now with the new plans, as I don't know how quickly they're going to get rid of the old plans or how much they'll grandfather people or offer you know, other stuff. But AT&T, you have to switch over, and they're not offering their old. It's mobile share. No, it's mobile value, and these are mobile advantage. Um, in the new plan, they start at one gigabyte uh, per month, and the old plan started at 300 megabytes. And they made things sort of cheaper by having one per line fee. So before, it was $25 line if you were below a certain amount of data and $15 line above it. And if you wanted this, you blah, blah, blah. Now it's everything is $20 a line for customer personal service. Um, they made the tiers slightly better. And so my wife and I were paying for 15 gigabytes per month. And I think we paid, uh, what was it? $115 a month total under that plan, or maybe a little more. I forget the exact number. Cause it's, you have to take the data fee, the per line fee, and this is before tax. Uh, and, uh, but AT&T added a one month rollover early in uh, 2016. So, uh, it turns out, and this is to AT&T's credit, I went to AT&T's site to see. It said, like, look at the plan that's best for you. And it said, the last three months, you've used an average of 1.7 gigabytes of mobile data, and your peak usage was 2.1 gigabytes of mobile data. And it told me that, right? It didn't say, like, oh, you should stick with this 15-gigabyte plan. So we're going way down to a 3-gigabyte-a-month plan, uh, which will save us, like I say, I think it's almost $50 difference. Um, wow. Which is huge. I mean, everybody's 40 something anyway. So, like $500 a year savings. And when, uh, like with what T Mobile used to do with its throttling and Sprint does, ATT is doing the same thing now. You drop to 128 kilobits per second after you exhaust data, but you can, you can change plans during a month and you have the rollover. So, my assumption is that on heavy months for us, maybe we'll use three or four gigabytes, but we'll have the rollover data from the previous month when we used almost none. And um, even when we've traveled, we just there's Wi-Fi everywhere. So we barely, I mean, we just barely use mobile data. And I think a lot of people evaluating their plans may decide, oh, if I'm not going to get socked with uh, $10 per one gigabyte overage fees, which was the previous deal, or was it 15? It was something ridiculous. We're paying 10 for one. Is it 10? We, we pay it oh, almost every month. If you're, yeah. <laughs> and that was a tiered thing too. If you had it, it was more expensive at lower levels too. So, um, so that's gone. So it means the worst thing that's going to happen is we're out and about and we're like, oh, we're throttled for the next few days. Like, okay. Or we could change the plan mid month and decide to go from the three gig plan to, I forget what the next one is, six gigs. And, uh, and pay an extra ten or fifteen dollars a month, uh, and you can switch plans. I mean, AT and T lets you go online and switch back and forth. I don't think they have a limit on it, so you could switch for a few weeks and switch back, and they prorate it. Um, so I advise cool. anybody on AT and T to look at your plan. Here's the thing. Oh, Susie, this is going to drive you nuts. Oh my gosh, you're an AT and T customer, right? You're, you're, yes. you're grandfathered still. I still have the unlimited plan from 2008, but it's like we're paying more than we should be paying because I have my husband on and I have my parents on my plan and we all share the same minutes but we have the old fashioned really old plan where we're each paying for our own data so my parents have a data bucket that they never use my husband has a data bucket that he goes over and I have my unlimited and then together like to we're paying a lot it's probably time but so you're not using a lot. I think I'm using a lot and I need to go into my iPhone settings because there's a screen in there that'll show you which apps yes, yes. use the most cellular data because my suspicion is that I'm streaming a lot of music and podcasts. Yep. Um, so that sort of makes T-Mobile a little attractive because they do the thing where your Spotify doesn't count against your high-speed data bucket or whatever and I could get around a lot of my music streaming. I could get around that. 
But I really like I still sort of have some qualms with like that whole system. So I don't really want to do that. And we're already on AT&T. So I think I could switch our plan without having to get us all new phones, which is the thing with T-Mobile. I think they would want us to like turn in our phones and get new phones. I don't know oh, about no, that I think part. with T-Mobile, if you own your phones now, you can get them unlocked and you can activate them on T-Mobile. Same, yeah. same, I have to I, get AT&T to unlock a couple of them. I think you, but you've, you've paid off your phones, right? Or you can pay them off. One of them I'm still paying for. I got um, from, from Apple. T-Mobile, T-Mobile pays switching fees in some cases too, especially if you're bringing yeah. a bunch of lines over. But see, like my parents live in Florida, so if we had to get new phones, oh. like I, I only see them like a couple times well, a year. But I could switch us them. all to a new AT and T plan like tomorrow, probably. And I think you should look into not it. Have they, to get new phones. These new ones are I'm very I mean, lazy. We've saved. Uh, we've gone down. I mean, I would say I think we used to pay. My wife and I paid about. I don't know. It was it seemed sort of ruinous for a while, but we needed it because of work and communication. And uh, we're now paying probably half as much as we paid maybe four or five years ago for service and getting more bandwidth. So I think they may have hit the inflection point. I mean, you can get a, a shared 25 gigabyte a month plan. The other thing is, Susie, make sure Wi-Fi assist is off because that burns so many people. If you're in marginal Wi-Fi areas, it will turn. It's only supposed to do cellular for limited things, but I've gotten a number of reports from people who didn't know it was on and they find they're burning up gigabytes overnight while on their home networks because things are happening like sync. Yeah, I had it off. I recently had to turn it on, but that's a good, because I was in somewhere that had like crappy cellular and like pretty good Wi-Fi and I was trying to like make calls. And so, yeah, I turned it on recently, but that's a good oh, tip. Yeah, so I'm going to turn it back off. To remind uh, listeners, the Wi-Fi assist setting, I have to look up where it is. It's in a funny spot. It's... Um, Oh, that's hilarious. If you search on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wi-Fi Assist is the opposite. It helps. It uses oh, my gosh. cellular to boost crappy Wi-Fi connections. I love this, too. If you use, so you know there's a search thing. If you go to, um, people may not realize this, if you launch the settings app in iOS. Oh, yeah, you pull swipe, up. There's a little search. Yeah. You swipe down slightly. There's a settings thing. But if you try to find Wi-Fi Assist, it doesn't show up. Uh, it should show up as an item. So instead, you have to go to, what is it? You go to... Uh, is it in the cellular settings? General, I don't have my iPhone here. Oh, for crying out loud. You I didn't bring to it to, into yeah. the pod cave. I didn't want you it to make to noise. You go to cellular, and then you swipe down. And here's the thing. So, yeah, there's a list that says use cellular data for. You swipe all the way to the bottom of it. I have like 50 apps in that. At the very bottom, Wi-Fi Assist. I've used – I have it on because I hadn't had a problem with it. I've used 40 megabytes only in the last six months, five months. Um, okay. But, it would, yes, Wi-Fi Assist – uh, uses cellular for it doesn't use it for background activities or streaming, but some people I've gotten reports from people who had it enabled, and they you know one person wrote because one of her employees was burning up gigabytes overnight and they couldn't figure it out because she was asleep, and it turned out that Wi-Fi Assist must have been the cause even though it should have been it was doing some kind of download or something to do with um, uploading photos it was weird. So take a look at plans, folks. Oh, so here's the thing that was going to drive you totally nuts, by the, by the way. Totally nuts. So I had people, I told people, okay, you can change your plan on August 21st, which was Sunday. You can go to your AT&T account, log in and change your plan. People are telling me, I'm going there, it doesn't show me these options. You go to change your plan, it shows you your current plan, and then on the right hand it says new plan, and it says unlimited. This is what we recommend for you. And people are like, but I don't, well, there's no place to select from. There are tiny plus and minus buttons next to unlimited. You click minus and you scroll. You basically have to tap your way down through all the plan levels <laughs> to get to the one you want. And then you can change. It's 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 really like there's something about AT&T being 
uh, actually positive in telling people you can go to a page and easily see the comparison and they have a calculator. They actually do a lot to make sure you're at the right level and that whole three-month average, three-month peak thing, which is cool, right? So they do all that. But then <laughs> then you try to change the plan and they don't make it easy for you. It should just be a pop-up menu or something or scroll bar. So folks, if you're trying to change your plan, that's the issue, Stan. Um, shall we move on? We have more things to discuss. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. We don't give a yes. road. We have a roadmap, folks, and we don't give it to you. We should. We should tell a roadmap. Um, we have a still have a grab bag of things. Apple bought Glimpse with two IIs. Glimps. Um, Susie, I know you're interested in this. They just love companies with eyes in them. I, oh, this is such a good fit. Oh, that's good. I'm going to find a company that's called Ah. <laughs> um, so this is pretty cool. It's uh, a company that was founded to let people have better access to their personal health records in one comprehensive place. Now, I don't know about your – now, I'm a professional patient. I have a lot of uh, past maladies and current ones. I'm – an excellent help supported by a team of like 15 people. It's great. I'm like uh, the bionic man, Susie. It's great. <laughs> I got metal in my heart and uh, love in my soul. Um, but uh, so I have all these practitioners and I use my chart for some of them. Some have their own systems. There's multiple systems and not all of them talk together. But over time, this is something that the Affordable Care Act was supposed to, in fact, uh, foster was more interoperability. And I've seen it happen. So you log into one place like – Example, my credit union, this is not health-related, uh, they added some kind of money management thing so you can add your credit card and other accounts. And I can go to my credit union account now, and it actually shows – aggregates all the charges and everything from every different credit card and other account I have in one place. It's really cool for budgeting, and, and it's like – gives oh, me. Oh, yeah. A my bank has one of those. Yeah, yeah those it. are nice. So Glimpse is kind of like that, if I understand it right, for um, – it's like that, but for your health records. Oh, and so you just sign in with all your different health accounts and it puts it all in one Or something. Dashboard. That was my understanding. So I don't I – I might be wrong about the details because I haven't used it before. But this is – I think it's great that Apple – so we know Apple's commitment to privacy. You know, they'll fight the FBI and DOJ for us. That's cool. Um, sidebar there. <laughs> Did you see Chris Segoyan's tweet last week? It's a little bit old news, but it was after we recorded um, where he said, uh, you know – FBI, just make a tool that lets people break in. No one will get access to it. Apple, we're sort of worried about that. Uh, WikiLeaks or whoever it was, like, here's the tool the NSA uses to break into things. Like, just this notion that FBI was that no one would ever get access to this tool and the NSA's cracking tools were actually cracked and released, um, you know, last week. So, cute. Um, but so Apple will fight for our privacy. We know that, at least to the extent that it aligns with their commercial interests. They're very interested in health kit. They're interested in making sure that people with all different abilities and capabilities can have their health tracked and Glimpse could be a way for Apple to provide us with a front end, maybe with a company we trust. It's not Google or we might be concerned, rightly or not. It's not Microsoft. It's not you know Evil Corp. It's, it's uh, Apple. So I like that. I'm curious well, how that'll go. Founder of Glimpse, I guess, kind of started Apple. And was inspired to create this because his sister was battling breast cancer. And it was like a big pain point to try to get all of her, you know, records and everything together because you have to see different specialists and and just having all the information and everything organized um, really makes, you know, caring for the disease a lot easier. So it's the product is um, really targeted at patients with diseases like cancer and diabetes and those are both areas that Apple has expressed, you know, interest in with the health kit and the care kit initiatives um, and research kit as well. So 
so this is this is a great pickup. I I think you know we're, we're probably not going to see you know a, a new splashy thing that we don't have before. But this you know this could behind the scenes just really um, you know make health kit and and care kit and research kit a lot more useful for just, different types of patients. I just love I love that. I mean, especially to say I'm a professional patient. A lot of people don't have these issues, but especially as you get older, mm-hmm. usually people as you get older have more problems. You know, I have heart. I'm a cancer survivor. I have sleep apnea. I shouldn't list all this off. I'm like destroying my own personal privacy. I'm outing myself. <laughs> but I have a bunch of very manageable conditions. You know, I've got a, a ton of pills I have to take, but all of them are like generic now and they're all really positive. But I'm like, every time I count up my pills, like once a week, I count up pills and put them into one of those pill dividers because I have all this stuff I have to take and some are with meals and some are not. It's a whole thing. I'm like, there should be you know, I am a very attentive to detail, high registration individual. And I think even on the pill side alone, or even like keeping up a medical appointments, there's so many things that are offloaded to people who there's no person to help you. GPs can sometimes help, but they're overworked and they're not compensated to often to help you. There some of the, again, Affordable Care Act provisions were designed to help people get consistent access to um, navigation through the healthcare system and have people who are rewarded for keeping people healthy rather than doing procedures. And um, this is something that could help with that. Like, you know, let's say uh, uh, the system, Apple releases a system that's great. It could be that healthcare outfits that are going to get um, premiums essentially or, or bonuses for keeping you healthy would say, okay, we're going to subsidize your iPhone and we want you to use this app and this is how you're going to communicate with us. You'll get private access to everything. We'll push stuff to it and it's going to help you manage all the things you have in one place and it will be complementary to what we're doing in our practice or our HMO or whatever. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, the communication is huge because, I mean, you probably have people coming in, you know, for appointments that they don't all, often, you know, all the time need just because they have, you know, a question or, yeah, something was weird with their medicine. And and the communication stuff, like I, I, I go, uh, use an HMO that does a really good job with um, electronic, you know, communication and they have a nurse line and they'll They'll prescribe you medicine over the, over the phone sometimes, or and you can email your doctor. You're like encouraged to email your doctor because it keeps their costs down to take care of like little things that don't need an appointment without an appointment. So and 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 you mentioned you know like uh, people having more health problems as they age. Both my parents are turning seventy this year, and you know knock on wood like they're still kind of healthy, but you know my dad's starting to have some issues. But so you have communication between patients and their doctors, but like also, you know, me as his adult daughter, like oh, I want to yeah. know what's going on. And and if I can, you know, like he was talking about having to to monitor his, his heart a little more and I'm, I'm going to send him the the article that we talked about a few weeks ago that Chuck Laternus wrote about yeah. his um, Apple Watch monitoring his heart and, uh, you know, f- caught a little condition that, that he didn't know about um, before it, be- it became came, you know, really serious and, and probably saved his life. So I'm going to, yeah, these are all like things that are super important and only going to get more important as, you know, uh, the, 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 baby, the baby boomers <laughs> start to, to age a little more. So. Easy way to justify, you know, buying equipment too. It's like, hey, it saved I my know. life. It's like, but Ap- there's so much. See, like my dad, I cannot picture him like wearing an Apple watch. Like he's like the, the he's just. I don't know. It's so funny. It's I, well, generationally, that'll change too. It's like you know, we're going to be our parents at some point. I know yep. it's hard to believe. 
Although we all have kids. Oh, I'm so we already know. my parents. Oh, oh my man. God. I open my I mouth say. and yep. my mom comes out and I'm just <laughs> yep. like, what? Get out of my head. Yep. Same here. Same yeah. here. So, but we're going to be, you know, our kids are going to be laughing at us because we don't understand how to activate the neural interface. Dad, blink twice. <laughs> blink twice and you look up to the right and you think about pie. Come on. <laughs> Petricor. Just think about Petricor. Um, well, okay. So let's move on to, uh, Alice, the topic near and dear to our hearts. Let's move on to the Google Earth plugin debacle. Oh um, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> and I still haven't gone through your steps, but I got the thing, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to ignore that. That's weird. I haven't used Google Earth in years. I haven't thought about Google Earth in years. Google Earth that brings me back. Like, what is this? The well, the aughts again? And then I saw you tweeting this article, and I was like, wow, Glenn is on top of it. Yeah, it was funny. Well, I I had the pop up. So, folks listening, if you ha- you probably had this happen to you, I'm going to guess everyone listening, if you've gotten this far on the podcast, has. Um, we're sitting at your computer on a Friday night, as we do, and uh, all of a sudden you get these pop-ups, and it says, "Hey, it's Google Earth uh, Update Helper. Enter your password." You're like, "What?" Yeah, um, I'm like, no. I don't remember using that, but and in my case, I'm like, "Oh." Okay, and I entered it. Then I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm a security writer, and I just entered my password into an unexpected. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, oh. Then I start canceling (laughs) it, and it won't cancel. It keeps popping back up, and eventually it goes away. And then I I search on Twitter. I thought it was just me. Then I see someone else mention it. Then I search on Twitter. I'm like, oh, everyone's getting this. Like some hundred. So thousands or even millions of people are getting this dialogue box and I see it showing up in languages other than English. I'm like, oh, this is a big F up. And what it turns, so I wrote up something, I posted my blog and then I wrote a, uh, that night and then over the weekend I wrote a longer, more comprehensive piece with more instructions that we posted on Macworld. Um, and what happened was it wasn't Google Earth, the application, it was the Google Earth plugin that must have been installed as part of something else because most people I know could not remember having installed Google Earth or the plugin, and it was in their internet plugins folder, which we don't typically manage. Folks, I will tell you, if you go to, if you go to go to finder, so you're, I'm sorry, you go to the finder, you select in the go menu, go to folder. If you're a terminal whiz, go to the terminal, do this, and you go to slash library slash internet space plug dash ins slash you will find plugins that are several years old. You don't remember you installed. I found like 20 of them and they don't lo- load if they're not up to date, but I got it's rid of library. Them. What now slash library slash internet space plug dash ins slash. And so there's that. There's also the other places tilde slash library slash internet plugins in your personal folder. That's your home folder. So in both those locations, you may find plugins that you had no idea even existed. And yet there they are. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at, this is a machine I have, I, I have like 15 on my, uh, on my, see what, what the heck is pepper flash plugin? Why do I have that installed on a machine? I don't know. I don't know what it is. And there it is. Um, but these are plugins that are loaded when you launch uh, Firefox and I believe Safari as well. So Google Earth hidden away in there. So what happened is they had disabled an update push for Google Earth that works through um, – oh, wait, here we go. So this is the problem. The, the thing I'm not mentioning is did you know, Susie and listeners, that when you install any Google app on your Mac, it also installs a silent background always running software update application? 
No, I did not know that. Yeah, so this is the problem. So Google has been doing this for years. I remember years ago seeing this, and I was like, why is oh, there a background? Oh, here it is. I found it. Yeah, see, so so the Google Google software updater is running all the time, and it's constantly checking for Chrome and other updates. So here's the deal. What happened is a Google Earth engineer posted in a forum uh, about it and said, oh, you know, kind of our bad. It literally said, oops. They had disabled a while ago the Google Earth plugin updater because it had a similar problem. And it apparently had happened and it affected fewer people. Somebody, not saying who, must have flipped the switch <laughs> and turned it back in. So suddenly millions of people, I mean, I'm estimating millions based on the response and the fact that most people didn't know they had this installed, uh, get this pop-up menu. They think it's malware or they're like, what's wrong with Google? And there's no front end to the Google software update. So I explained the article, A, here's how you remove the Google Earth plugin. And for some people that stopped the updating cycle, but if your Mac had already downloaded the update, there's also some suspicion the update was actually for Windows. They pushed the wrong one out, not for Mac, and that's why it couldn't launch. So it would launch and then not run. If you had the update cached, it seemed like some people might still be getting the notification, even though they'd removed the plugin. Um, so I gave instructions for disabling software update. I get feedback from security people saying, how dare you? Tell people how to disable software update. Don't you know how important it is that people have automatic updates for Chrome? To which my rejoinder is, when you launch Chrome, it tells you in various ways with various degrees of intensity that there is an update available, even if you don't have the automatic updating installed, like all other browsers out there, uh, it tells you there's an update. It warns you. It tells you to update it. You can also, in the article, I explain how to re-enable software updater later, which is a single click and then a password entry Chrome. So if you want to disable it, you can still get Chrome updates. Whenever you launch the app, uh, the program it tells you, or if it's running, it'll tell you there's updates. Uh, and you don't have to have a background agent running that can go out of control like this. That's Good the moral, advice. moral of the story. Um, although Google then disabled the update. So we should not get this again. If it didn't happen to you, it shouldn't happen now, but you can still remove that Google Earth plugin and then it will never happen. This is why I appreciate things like, you know, your cloud services like Dropbox and iCloud Drive and um, Mac App Store, just being able to like download and install your software on any old computer because um, I like to just clean everything out now and then. So I don't have, you know, plugins from five years ago. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I keep finding, I mean, I've written articles for Mac 911 at various times, but like, oh, did you look in this folder? <laughs> like, there's all this nonsense in there. There are a lot of things, a lot of cruft as the uh, technical yeah. term. And uh, like I got a MacBook Air with an old processor and not that much storage, and I got to keep this puppy running lean. Yeah. So now each now of course in Firefox uh, in Safari you can disable uh, plugins and extensions in different ways, but you can actually just delete them entirely. From that folder, Internet Plugins. Yeah. And uh, so look for that article on Macworld. We'll link it to the show notes if you're trying to figure out where this stuff is. Um, I want to talk about a couple other things, if you like. Uh, sure. Castro 2. I don't think you've tried this yet. But you're now, which podcast app do you use? Do you use the default Apple one? Uh, no, I use uh, Casts. What's it? What's, uh, Podcasts? Cast? No. no uh, um, Castwords? It just says Cast on my screen, but I think oh, it's called I something else. Uh, that's an excellent. It was question. the one that Pocket Cast. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast. It was the one that right. Marco actually like recommended when he, um, pulled something or yeah. Oh, when for streaming, 
when people wanted right. streaming, well, he didn't he have streaming, streaming yet. Yeah, he added yeah. streaming overcast too. Well, oh yeah, Pocket Cast, right? So um, there, you know, several different apps that people uh, like. I've been using Overcast for a while. Marco Arment, who I used to work for, disclaimer, um, he released that a couple years ago, and then uh, released an update that added streaming and a bunch of other features, and relied on patronage for support. So it's free. It has clearly hundreds of thousands of viewers based on numbers he's given out and other patterns you can look at. Um, and if you want a few extra features, none of which are critical, you can pay a recurring, like a, a three-month, six-month, or 12-month non-recurring uh, donation fee. And you know that's how he's basically supporting you know his development work in it or his desire to keep working on it. So Castro, uh, which is from the folks at – I will find their name because they have an interesting super top, I think it is. Um, our friends at – Super top. Let's call them that. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> Super top. Super top. Um, they uh, make a few different apps, and uh, Castro is also a long-running podcasting app. Um, they released an interim update with uh, after Overcast 2 came out and kind of switched to patronage for a while. Now they have Castro 2 out, and I would say it's a radical rethinking of how you interact with podcasts. It's five bucks. There's no trial. There's no in-app purchase, no recurring thing. And uh, I've switched to it as my main podcast app, at least oh, for nice. now. Um, so are now we've talked about this kind of thing before. Are you a, um, what are the things, I, I like to call it like a completist, someone who uh, needs to get through everything. And if you don't, you keep a stack of things. This is like people who read Twitter, people who need to read every New Yorker and they have a stack and they're embarrassed because they don't read them, but they know they should. Or do you get rid of stuff? Well, so um, Pocket Casts has a queue, but I manage it manually. I don't have things, new episodes added automatically to the queue as they come in, although that is an option. I have one podcast that I listen to almost every episode, but it's like three one hour episodes a day. Oh my God. So yeah, well, it's a, it's a radio show. It's the Dave Ramsey show, mm. radio show. So people call up and spill all about their financial problems. I love it. It's fascinating. Um, so, but, it, and then they're an hour. So they're like 45 minutes cause they were an hour on the radio and you don't get all the well, ads. You don't listen to three hours. You said there's three, one hour a day, but that's, he releases three, you, like 45 minute episodes a day. You don't listen to that so every day. So those stack up really <laughs> fast. No, I do. Like that's, Wait, it's one of my main podcasts. Oh my gosh. I don't okay. listen to all of it. No, like, they stack up really fast. And every month or so I go in and, and, but I don't want to say like only keep the last 10 because that's only three days worth. So I keep forgetting so, you're a, um, you're a, uh, uh, Commuter. I keep forgetting yeah, that. Yeah, like the I ones a, that come out weekly, like keep the last 10 is a good way from yeah. getting overloaded. But so then all the other ones that I listen to that come out weekly, some of them I listen to all of them, like something like Serial, you kind of have to listen to all of them. But there's other ones like Another Round. I love Another Round, but I don't listen to every oh, yeah, single that's, one. Um, BuzzFeed, I, right? Yes, it's great. Everyone should love, yeah, I love uh, they, listen They had, to they had it. a great review with uh, Hillary Clinton. I remember uh, it was pretty Yep. Yep, Amazing. they had a Neil Dash on. That one was really good. Uh, Alan Alda, by the way, is on Miranda. WTF with Mark Maron. So if you can handle some swearing, you should. Li- I have I have that queued up to go. Love okay. Alan Alda. He's talking about everything. Can't believe it. So, but some of those, and yeah, Mark Maron's another good example. I kind of pick and choose. Like I'll, I'll like look to see who the guest is, and then sometimes listen to it, but not every episode. So those I stream. I don't even want to download them. Exactly. And then the Dave Ramsey show hey, I download hey, that because you're using. By the way, that streaming yeah. you're talking about. I think uh, I think we found something. No, I mean, uh, but it's I you know I don't just don't want to download. I don't have enough room. 
Oh, my that's phone is full of photos. Well, so this is the thing. Castro is like a Castro Two is kind of a hybrid because it has it has this inbox notion, and you can set subscriptions so that you can have it has an inbox and a queue and archives. And so anything you subscribe to or any individual episode you ever uh, stuck in your queue will show up in archives, and you can find it later and re-download it or stream it. But the idea is it doesn't download anything either, except either if you've. Uh, set a subscription for if if you uh, open up an individual episode of a podcast, like a Castro two users can actually send each other a Castro link, and it will simply it'll add it to the queue. You can set it so that queued episodes are automatically downloaded. So you're only downloading you know tens or hundreds of megabytes at a time. And um, I kind of like this because I subscribe to way too many podcasts. I listen to a small fraction. And I have trouble with Overcast too, even though it has playlists and some other controls. I have real trouble getting stuff organized the way I want. In Castro 2, you go to the inbox, you tap stuff you want to add, you can add it to the top or bottom of the queue, or you can throw it in the archive, which effectively says just, you know, you're keeping the RSS feed record of it, but it's no longer like looking at you. So I clear out my inbox and then I have, say, five episodes in my podcast queue that I can listen to, I can rearrange the order of, or I can mark as I'm not listening. And oh, so you kind of triage them as triage. they come in. That's, in fact, that's what they call it. They talk about triage. And it's a very uh, – I find it – now, I'm not a person who does the finishability so it's almost thing. almost like an email model a little bit. Yep, yep. Except With an inbox. I mean, like, just the concept of an inbox is – Exactly. It's, it's me up. I like it. It's like in, It's out. like email plus prioritization. So you're saying – you know, it's email where you can ignore everything you don't want, right? So where email, you often have to do even more triage. Um, yeah. So I like the notion that I can... And but so, then there's still somewhere there's a list of all your podcasts. So if you want to go back and find, you know, some old Mark Maron episode that you already archived, like it's going to be exactly. there somewhere if you dig around. Yeah, I can find but it. But when one you thing, first open it up, it just shows you kind of what's new and says, what do you want to listen to? And you can make a little playlist. I could do that before I leave at night and just download the ones that, you know, enough to get me home. Exactly. And you can also do something like the, the the Ramsey show. You could say, I always want this added to my queue. Yeah. And you can also say, I only want downloads to happen over, over it's Wi-Fi. It's so good. People just tell all their money problems. <laughs> you talked it's about this awesome. before. I forgot about that. It's great. It's Well, it's fascinating what people go through. But so I like, so Castro 2, big problem. It doesn't uh, let you search the archives. And I think that's a problem with other podcast apps too. It's like they didn't build Spotlight Search into it even though they've downloaded the full text of all the episode titles oh. and descriptions, it desperately needs that to manage the archives because of its approach. But it's got a really nice interface. It's really simple. Um, I don't think the playback interface is that great. It mingles too many different kinds of features and it doesn't show the show notes. You have to go somewhere else to see the show notes that have links. Um, it doesn't have the best features of Overcast 2 for some people, and I would argue for me as well, uh, are that it has um, these extra things. It says vo voice boost, which I don't use, but some people really like. That is tailored. Uh, Marco went in and really tweaked it around the characteristics of iPhones and iPad speakers. So if you're using those to play back, use voice boost, and you get a substantially enhanced uh, audio experience for, you know, it's like it's like equalization normalization for the device you're using. Um, that's cool. I don't use it because I'm usually listening through uh, external speakers um, or a, a jam box or, um, uh, you know, something like that or the car stereo system where I don't feel it works as well. So, um, but it also is smart speed. Smart speed is not, it does a thing, you know, you can slide slower, faster audio mm -hmm. playback and it keeps the voice. So you're not hearing chipmunks or people talking like this. 
smart speed does silence elimination and overcast. And you don't realize until you don't have it because Castro 2 doesn't have that feature. How many podcasts are full of <laughs> pauses? And uh, sorry. Sorry, All folks. <laughs> People on Overcast do with that feature. And they don't know what joke I just made. Bah. It's like a it's in reverse What Easter about egg. those like NPR style podcasts where they have like sort of a bit where they're like no one's talking and there's That's just right. some music and it kind of transitions you to the next like. Well, music is okay. Although what's paragraph. funny is I did a podcast with uh, Anthony Johnston recently. Uh, it's a podcast called uh, uh, unjustly maligned. I did one about difficult music, talking about all the music I like to listen to that's hard to listen to. And he played a, a piece from, um, I mentioned, oh, he mentioned, oh, Superman by Laurie Anderson. And he played a piece from it. And this music goes, it goes, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and if you're listening to this on Overcast too, like, with smart speed enabled, you'll think I just went, ha, 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 ha. And I'm listening to this playback in Overcast of this episode with Anthony because he had inserted all the music. I wanted to hear the tracks he inserted. And I'm like, that's not the Laurie Anderson song. That's not how it goes. I was like, oh, I have to disable smart speed because it's removing all the spaces between her hops. Um but I love this yeah, feature. I never got into that. I listen to everything in real time, baby. Yeah. Well, I don't speed it up. This just removes silences. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it makes things. Silence is, is something. Although, and then Overcast keeps track of it. So I looked when I, the other day and it said, you know, you've, you've uh, Music, saved. Music, the silences are very important. 36, as we've seen. 36 hours by using smart speed. <laughs> thought, okay. That's a lot of hours. Some people do listen to podcasts at like 1.5 or 2X as well. And I don't. And oh, I know. I can't, I can't imagine that. I already talked no. fast enough. People say they have to slow me down on a podcast. Yeah. I can't imagine listening to you sped up. Uh, anyway, Cast- I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm very dense. Um, Castro too. I like it. Five bucks. You could try it if you like the things I say. I say about it. Uh, the usual it's like problem the wall with apps. of sound, but it's the wall of Glenn. Oh my god, the wall of Glenn. Uh, speaking of streaming things, though, um, Pandora streaming and Amazon's Echo only streaming. Just a little, uh, you know, final uh, bit here about Pandora is trying apparently to compete with Spotify, so it's adding on-demand well, they streaming. Audio. Yeah, I don't know about this because I don't they use the music audio services. audio like a while ago, and they said, you know, we have to redo all the contracts because they got all of audio's like technology. And audio was the best streaming service just like design-wise and the social features and everything was popping, but um, they just weren't making money. So <laughs> Pandora, like when they bought it, they were like, yeah, we're going to be doing like a real streaming service, but we have to go renegotiate all these uh, contact, oh, all these I contracts see. first. So that's coming. So there'll be a So I think that's battle, coming now. Battle with Spotify. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was just coming out is that there's uh, from Recode. We don't have confirmation as we go to to uh, broadcast on this uh, that Amazon may launch an Echo only half price streaming thing. So you pay five dollars a month for their music streaming service, but only if you have an Echo. And I guess only through the Echo. I don't know if you get to use it now, then on your other devices. If you pay for Amazon, do you get more than you get as a Prime customer? Because the yes. offerings for Prime customers are pretty weak. That's my understanding is I believe, and I don't, I think this is right, it's confusing. If you do, no, no, okay, there's a, yeah, Amazon, okay, so here's the thing. I have to go through oh, the Oh, no, detail. it says right in here. It says no. Amazon already offers an Amazon music service free for Prime subscribers, but that service only has a limited catalog exactly. of music. So, so yes, you pay, you get more. But okay. you can't, can you buy, uh, yeah, you have to have a Prime subscription to get it. They don't have a 
non you uh, if you have the Amazon Music app, like if you're buying Amazon Music, you're probably a Prime person well, this is because like I have the, everyone else would just go to Spotify or Tidal yeah, or Apple Music. I have the Amazon Music app because I decided I was paying Apple ten dollars a month, and I really I used Apple Music for a few months pretty intensively. And then I kind of tapered off and I was like, well, I'm going to cancel it because that's $120 a year and I need to justify being able to use it. I own a bunch of music that, you know, I bought music as downloads. I've ripped CDs and I have the CDs in my, my back room. Uh, so I still own them, copyright intact. And um, I'm like, well, I should try Prime Music. I download the app. It's not a terrible app for um, the Mac <laughs> or iOS. I mean, it's not great, but it's fine. And I realized, oh, Prime Music has a lot of things I was listening to repeatedly that I didn't purchase. Maybe I'll even buy them at some point, for Christ's sake. Um, but it has a fairly decent collection for me where I'm looking for specific things usually to listen to while I'm working as opposed to wanting to own stuff or you know, music for pure listening pleasure, if that makes sense. Uh, so it's a good way to save some money. But I think it's interesting that Amazon's going to Try, I mean, if this turns out to be true, Recode's uh, got the scoop there. Um, that is another motivation. Echo is getting a lot of really good feedback. I, I do not want an Echo. I don't need one. I, I try to describe it. I told uh, my wife was like, so what is this? We're sitting there with my uh, my parents and she's like, what is the Echo? And I said, well, it's a thing that you talk to and it does stuff for you. And she just started laughing <laughs> and laughing like, that is a great description. I'm like, well, it's true. You talk to it and it does things. It's sort of the future of technology. Yeah, but I don't. Other, I, don't I mean, it's it's smart to tie it tie it to the echo. I think if it's you know, if I agree. It's, you get an echo and you pay less, like that's that's a good deal. Um, and they've tried some cool things before. Like, do you remember when they did the thing where they made um, it was like digital copies? So if you bought a CD from Amazon, you got a digital copy in your Amazon locker. It, it still and they that. even they like, made it like retroactive. Yeah, yeah. I so have a bunch of albums CDs like that. all the CDs that you bought from Amazon, like for friends, for gifts, and like you never even owned it, you like immediately gave it away without unwrapping it and burning it, which you know I used to do every once in a while. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, those are all in your Amazon locker. So if you forgot about that, you know, go check every once in a while. When you launch, when you install, I mean, you can do it through the website, but I installed Amazon Music. I log into my account and then it shows me all these albums I own. I'm like, I own albums? Like, oh, these are all the CDs I bought from Amazon. Yeah. Uh, plus I had bought, I've bought music directly from Amazon as well because Amazon's, they offer. My husband always buys MP3s from Amazon. They're, they're cheaper, a little bit cheaper. Yeah. yeah. And if you get the Amazon, by the way, another uh, consumer tip, Amazon store card, uh, if you are looking for the best deal to get back, they have a, a their own credit card thing through Synchrony. I think it's the bank. 5% cash back to Amazon. You can only use it with Amazon, but 5% back. There's no other deal that's as good as that. And I don't. I got enough things with Miles. So I, I use that card and you get a 5% discount off everything. Um, plus their existing deals. Uh, this reminds me of another consumer tip, by the way. Sort of on the side, um, reminding people that if you haven't, uh, this came up because people are having trouble with their airport uh, base stations uh, failing. And I had this happen to mine. And um, I've got a Mac 911 coming out that explains how to fix it. Um, that airport base stations are covered by Apple Care. So if you buy a warranty for your Apple TV or a Macintosh and you own already any base station that you purchased within two years, it is covered for the next three years, for the entire term of the Apple Care warranty. So if you get ever get out of here, no, I know this is a secret. If you own, you listening to the show, you get the secrets. Um, if so, I had bought an Apple, an Airport Extreme base station in June 2013. Then I bought a Mac in uh, a MacBook in 
April 2015. And I know you Care. always get Apple Care for your MacBook. So if so, this is the cool part: is if this space station needs to be replaced, I have until now April 2018 that this would be covered. So I get almost five years of warranty by nice. having purchased Apple Care, and that's like a two hundred dollar, you know, it's hundred eighty dollar device. So if it fails, they'll have a better one out by then. You'll like get an upgrade. Well, no, I think they'll just send you the. I'll send you the other one, but it's still, I mean, you're replacing it. Um, so look for that. If you guys, if anybody's listening who has trouble with their base station, that's the, the problem was uh, a number of people have seen this where the base station is working for routing Wi-Fi and Ethernet, but the printer stops and you cannot connect to configure it and it has a green light. And what turned out to be someone on Twitter said, oh, try removing your mobile me, sorry, not mobile me, your uh, Apple ID account <laughs> and rebooting. And I did that and it started working again. definitely remove your mobile me. Yeah, remove your mobile me. So I removed the Apple ID, which lets you do back to my Mac with a base station for uh, configuration and remote drive access and it solved it so anyway sidebar tip uh it's in the article too so many helpful tips today glenn tips saving you money i'll have to listen to the end though if you don't listen to the end you don't get the money tips um <laughs> finally last last thing twitter you and i are big twitter users i might be bigger than you on it i don't know maybe i use it a little more um twitter rolled out so if you were a verified user like the two of us uh you're that big blue check mark so twitter's rolling out verified to more people a lot of people i know who are in media uh, or they write in some fashion, or they're they're doing something in the public eye. However, you know, tangential, even um, they've now been able to get verified. A lot of people are getting the check mark, which is great. Friend, our friend Brianna Wu has a big blue check mark, and it helps our people. freelancer friends. It's kind of hit or miss. A lot yeah, of them have been, and if they reject you, they don't really tell you why. Yeah, so people reapply. They appeal. Uh, uh, Ellen Powell, who was formerly of Reddit, you have to wait a month or something. Oh, before oh you yeah, reapply. so you can keep. So Stupid. Ellen Powell, who was at Reddit, you know, and got essentially harassed out of the job it was oh, a big yeah. nightmare she applies of all people <laughs> and she gets a nope there's something with your bio or settings she's like she's in oh, like for the top sake. 10 like harassment targets yeah. on the so internet there's a lot of reasons and it just and the reason you get a blue check Along mark with Brianna Wu. it's not just status there's a little bit there was a status thing with it i didn't want the status what i wanted is it's uh it's your provable account so if someone says is suzy oaks is macworld saying that you have a check mark. It means Twitter is verified. This account actually belongs to the person who says they're Susie Oaks and works at Macworld, or you know they verify that, right? So, um, opening verification up to more people just means more people are at less risk of being impersonated, which is good uh, because impersonated accounts will not have the blue check mark. Um, but the other part was they had a so Ellen Powell posts this thing. Oh my god, it didn't get approved. Next day she's like, oh, I got a message. Now I'm approved. I don't know what happened. Someone saw her tweet. It's great. It was highly retweeted, I yeah, think. Yeah, thousands of times. Um, but here's the thing. There was a feature that was only available to, for, I think, the last year and a half to uh, people who had verified check marks. They were testing it out. It was, um, it was a quality filter. It was basically check this box, and it removes essentially crappy tweets. Like people Yeah, it was a, just in your mentions. Yeah, yeah. Although it apparently would remove things from cert. Like it, it, it's a little more comprehensive, but they talked about low-quality tweets. It's hard to tell tweets. if things are coming out of your timeline, but people... People in your timeline are people that you're following. Exactly. You know, so like I, I, I don't think it really you. messed with your timeline. Yeah, it would it would remove crap from your mentions. But it also meant if someone people who retweeted aren't following you but are just coming to like give you a hard time, which happens. Like oh, yeah. people think that sounds far fetched, but that's like an everyday reality for Twitter. It's terrible. So I've had this turned on for months and months. I didn't notice any um, substantial change, but I don't. I'm not a target of harassment. The uh, weird thing is, it dropped a few mentions from people that I'm following, which it shouldn't. Oh, it's not, but yeah, like, exactly so I. I am a Twitter weirdo and I have both Tweetbot 
um, for iOS and Twitter for iOS like installed next to each other on my home screen because I love the mentions tab in Twitter um, in Twitter official, but I love everything else in Tweetbot. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. so I've noticed that the mentions that come into my Tweetbot, I get a couple more um, than I'd get in Twitter. So I have to oh, check, but I think weird. it's it's not it's supposed to show me everybody that I follow. So people that I'm actually like want to hear from, those mentions would come through. But you're like your eggs, you're like you know people that you're not following who only like tweeted other people. Like it's supposed to try to get some of that out. And when Brianna turned it on, she said that it was like night and day, like all of the harassments and threats and just garbage just melted away from her mentions feed, which I'm sure is a garbage fire. Like I'm pretty lucky. Mine is not that bad. Um, so that's great. And I guess they're going to roll this out to everybody. Like you, you're not going to have to be. I think they have. That's the thing. Have? Is, okay, I good. Think, I think you can turn it on yeah, now. Yeah, we have I a think, how-to for turning it on. Yeah, I'm not that's sure. Great. Well, I'm not sure if everyone has it available, but they, they definitely a lot of people do because, I, and I actually saw an interesting complaint. This one guy who is what I would call, well, I won't say the term for it. I saw someone complaining about, oh my gosh, Oh, this is called this is shadow banning, and I look at the guy, and he's in the the he's a harassment American. Let's call him uh, somebody who seems to be dedicated to enjoying. Uh, you can tell. You can tell. Yeah, look his, at his bio timeline. mentions something about social justice warriors, yeah, and you're and just like, like, I'm on to you. Yeah, I'm looking at the tweets, and all of it is at people saying nasty oh, yeah. things to them, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's shadow banning. Shadow banning is me is the fact that Twitter is giving people the chance to not hear your crap because yeah. it meets machine learning algorithms that identify low quality tweets. And um, Twitter it's is the same pro- people who were mad when Twitter started letting people like share block lists. Exactly. So you could say, oh, here's all the like, you know, men's rights activists that are har- harassing like, you know, this particular group of feminists and they could, you know, share their block lists and then all block the same accounts. And that doesn't stop people from making new accounts and the dance continues, but it helps. Yeah, Anything the that problem helps, is that they, you know, she is, is people, uh, they've, Twitter's, tweaked enough that a lot of high profile people she's either blocked and they don't move accounts because they have like 50,000 followers or whatever it's the people creating accounts to be able you know like a thousand of um let's say there's like a thousand people who create uh you know accounts just to harass other people those accounts are recognizably created for harassment i mean machine yeah. learning identifies so those get reporting. picked up by the new quality yeah. filter and then your shared block list can take you know can help you um, you know, dragnet all the high profile accounts that are, you know, piling on. And then those two tools together, hopefully will, will make a difference. I mean, there's still more Twitter can do, obviously. Um, well, here's what I want to say though, is that people were calling them out during the Olympics oh, yeah. because it's like, if the IOC wants, you know, a GIF taken down or some video, like, boom, it's scraped. But then, you know, w- women for years have been saying, these guys are harassing me, and Twitter's like, oh, nothing we can do about it. I'm sorry, that death threat with explicit information about you is uh, that's not actionable. Here's the we thing I'll say: the tools. free speech, <clears throat> free speech, right? Free speech is not the right for you. <laughs> no, sorry, free speech does not require that people listen to you. Free speech is the right to speak, not the right to be heard by people you want to hear it. That's a totally different thing, right? It's the right to speak without being jailed by your government. Exactly. So people – so here's the thing that's great. I think Twitter is – and Twitter has had this – very. And BuzzFeed ran this article 
with a really deep analysis of multiple years of what's going on, like why Twitter hasn't solved this problem. And a lot of it stems from the fact that there's an absolute, there's a battle of absolutists who don't think there should be any curtailment except on the most severe speech and then in very limited ways. So here's the thing. I think the quality filter is very clever because the quality filter says um, you can say what you ever want to say, but people can check this box and they don't have to hear it. Like Twitter can That's all do, we wanted. Like Twitter <laughs> could provide, yeah. I mean, you don't have to prevent people from posting. You have to make tools available that let people not listen. So I don't think people should be able to post uh, explicit, obvious death threats and certain forms of harassment and abuse that there's lines that shouldn't be crossed. You shouldn't even be allowed to post that or you should have a penalty. There should be a consequence. You post it and there's a consequence. Um, I was looking the other day, one of the block lists I subscribed to, the Good Game block list, it looks at followers of seven accounts and people who follow the seven accounts, I figure if it's a threshold or whatever, it adds them to the block list. And these are all people who are just awful. It's not people talking about the gaming industry. It's people who are regularly writing really horrifically afactual stuff and, and leading abuse, whatever. Okay. So the other day, a couple days ago, I look at this list, seven accounts on it. Five of them have been permanently banned. Like it's not up to date because five of these people are so egregious that they are permanently suspended from Twitter. This is not like people saying like, oh, I hate people who are blah, you know, which is – awful and bigoted, but whatever. Or it's not even saying like, your work sucks. Glenn, you're a terrible writer. I don't like hearing that. Maybe, maybe they're right. It is not abusive to say that to me necessarily, like whatever. And then I block them. I don't have to hear that. That's great. You have an opinion. You can tell everybody else on Twitter about it. It's fine. But it's that insistence that I have to hear it. Like, oh, block lists are for people who aren't, you know, have lacked the courage or cowards. Like, no, they're for people who don't care about what you think. We literally don't care. So I think Twitter maybe on the road to offering better tools to allow this asymmetrical response where it's like, I don't want to hear people. I don't want an echo chamber. I listen to all kinds of conservative sources, even though I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I read all kinds of stuff. I interact with people respectfully have have all the manners. time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I want the ability. I want, to have standards. I want people who are harassed, particularly who are the constant targets of abuse to be able to say, I don't want to hear it. Not that the, I don't, you don't even necessarily have to believe sometimes you want people banned from Twitter. That's also fine and should happen in certain cases, right? But just saying, I don't need to hear it. Speaking of not needing to hear, maybe we should come to the conclusion of this episode. Yeah, this is a long one. Is it? So well, you thanks know, for sticking with thank us. Thank you folks for listening. We, we know you're out there and I always appreciate your uh, tweets and emails about the podcast. We're trying to have some fun here while covering the news of the day but you know what's going to happen we'll be back in a week it'll be august uh 31st episode and then one week after that will be when apple uh gosh our timing is off right the announcement's gonna be on a wednesday and we record on tuesdays so um we'll have to sort that out but apple's gonna be uh have all kinds of news in two weeks and uh perhaps we'll know more about it in a week maybe hey, apple will send phil schiller out with uh oh by the way we are uh Releasing live limers into uh, the water system. <laughs> I don't know, something. Yeah, we're changing our pricing model. All apps now cost 50 bucks. And, uh, but we're not going to talk about it next week. We don't want to distract from the announcement. We'll see. Um, I heard they were going to bring back the Newton. I would love that. Um, that's actually uh, it's a joke. If you uh, visit uh, Jason Snell's site, Six Colors, it's sponsored by uh, PCALC this week. And the only reason I bring up PCALC product I like, like, I know the founder, Disclosure, like the founder. James Thompson a lot. Uh, but he notes uh, PCALC is available on every Apple platform except the Newton. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Newton people. I mean, it's on TVOS. It's on the watch. No, I bet he's got some Newton version. Like, I don't half know. I think, he's, I think he's got a missing missing part there. Um, well, Susie, great Somebody to talk. Somebody send James a Newton. Yeah, send him a Newton and a dev, dev kit. Um, 
Susie, great to talk to you as always. You too, Glenn. Thanks for chatting. A pleasure. And folks, thank you for listening. And you know, you can find us not just at Macworld.com, but on the Twitter machine. I'm at G-L-E-N-N-F. Susie is S-F. Suze, that's S. F like Frank. S-O-O-Z. That's where you'll find her. And But, you know, email us, podcast at Macworld.com. Uh, leave comments on the podcast. Let us know what you think. We're trying to shape this to uh, answer questions. And uh, we'll be back with more news in a week. And this has been episode 522 for August 24th, 2016. And thanks for listening. We love you, Barbara. Bob's forever. <laughs> <laughs>